Welcome to the Sisters in Crime Writers Podcast. Everyone has a unique writing journey, so join us for conversations about those journeys from the writers themselves. Julie Henrich is Executive Director of Sisters in Crime, and I am thrilled to welcome Vanessa Lilly to the podcast this week. Vanessa is the Amazon best-selling author of Little Voices, which receives starred reviews in Publishers Weekly, Library Journal, and Best Debuts 2019 by Bolo Books. She's a board member of Sisters in Crime and has a weekly column in the Providence Journal. Her recently released thriller, For the Best, was a must-read in Pop Sugar and Crime Reads. In early 2020, in early 2022, say that fast three times, she'll release a co-authored Audible original project called Young Rich Widows. I can't wait to talk about that. Vanessa, welcome to the podcast. This is so cool. Thanks, Julie. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm, I love to talk to uh, writers about their writing journey, uh, and I usually start with the same question, so I'm not going to try to be original this week. Um, how, when did you know you wanted to write a book? I think like a lot of writers, I listen to a ton of uh, writing podcasts too. I love them. Um, and I think my story is similar to anyone who's listened to those, which is I loved writing as a kid. I wrote stories all the time. Um, and then quit for unknown reasons. Um, I mean, I studied English in college, but more, um, I studied English literature versus actually kind of creative writing. Um, I kind of focused more on, um, journalism a little bit. And, um, I ended up going and getting my master's in public administration, which is sort of a degree that (laughs) analyzes the government. A lot of people Mm -hmm. go on to work for the government with that degree. Um, And so I sort of came out of my educational journey kind of feeling creatively deflated. So I was in my early 20s then, and I just realized that I really missed writing. And um, I decided I wanted to write a book and kind of connect back to my love of reading and writing. Like I hadn't even really been reading that much. I, you know, just Mm -hmm. when you're, it was hard for me when you're reading books in school to, I don't know, go home and also just like read for pleasure or, you know, also I was just, you know, in my twenties and kind of wild. So, um, I was settling down a little and I, um, had an idea for a women's fiction. So I was lucky enough to join romance writers of America, which, has had many problems lately, but back in the day when I was a member, um, it was a it was a great community. I was in the DC chapter, which is Nora Roberts's chapter. It's mm-hmm. a really strong chapter, and I went to lots of um, meetings and conferences. I got to go to their national conference, and what's cool about RWA is they do a lot of um, like first chapter critique contests. That's how their chapters make money. And so, you know, I was working on this women's fiction that never really went anywhere, but I was constantly getting feedback, which was huge and, um, just kind of honing my craft. And I realized 
once I kind of got through that book that I really wanted to write more of a thriller because that's what I read. Um, you hear that advice sometimes, <laughs> write right. what you want to read. But for some reason, I like it never processed it. And so I was sort of like, well, I think a women's fiction would be fun. Um, so I, you know, so it took me, you know, by the time my debut was published, Little Voices in 2019, I've been trying to be published, I think, for about 13 years. So um, yeah. from when I started out at kind of RWA all the way until I was published. So it was, you know, kind of a long needed journey to get there, um, you know, and kind of get the old 10,000 hours in. Well, and the writing journey and the publishing journey are separate journeys. And so we'll talk about your publishing journey, but the writing journey and honing craft and building a community and everything else, uh, you said that you studied journalism for a while. Did you have to unlearn some of your journalism writing skills or did, did does your journalism help feed you as a, uh, especially as a thriller writer? I think it does help with thriller writing in particular because it is so um, focused and succinct and you have to really be choosy about your words, which is a great thing for me because I write long and have a lot of filler. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I probably use my journalism skills less when I'm drafting, but when I'm revising, I'm pretty merciless about kind of putting that type of a hat on. So it does help for sure. And some people, when they write, they write long or they write short. So just to let people know what that means, yeah. um, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think, you know, I, it's so funny. It's, I am really, I feel like kind of early in my career, I kind of feel like I don't know anything, um, but I'm just now kind of working on, I guess, technically my third book my audible original book is a little bit different. Um, but in terms of just like me sitting down writing a whole book, I'm coming out of the process of writing my third. Um, and I, I wonder sometimes like how much you can change the way in which you write a book, you know, whether you plot or outline, whether you just sit down and write, I used to be, and the terms are, you know, plotter. If you plot everything out at first and then panster, if you write by the seat of your pants, um, you know, I used to kind of write by the seat of my pants and there's like such a joy in that of the discovering and a dis they often call that like a discovery draft. Um, I do a bit more plotting now, um, but I consistently write long, which means that, you know, I overwrite my sentences are too long. My chapters are too long. They can be meandering, which is why I lean on plot so much and um, plotting things out. Uh, because it can be long, but I have friends who write short, which means that they, you know, write really lean drafts. And so they're going back in and they're having to really fill things out and develop things. Um, not that I don't have to also develop things, but, um, you know, from a word count perspective, it's very normal uh, hitting a hundred thousand words, which is, you know, maybe the average wow. length of a thriller, uh, maybe a little long, um, is never any problem. In fact, my second book for the best when I sent it to my editor, I think it was, I've sort of blocked it out, but I, in my mind, I think it, I think it was like 140,000 words. It was, wow. I think that's, it was crazy. <laughs> um, and I was just, could not get my hands around it. And, you know, I had to, when I got it back from, I had to completely rewrite it, which it needed to be completely rewritten. But, um, but yeah, and so I have been just sort of thinking now that I'm again in the same kind of writing process about, you know, how 
how you sit down to write a book, it sometimes feels like you're lear- relearning it every time. I, I think, you know, I hear that a lot, that it, it's, you know, you think, oh, this is my X number of books I've written, but there's a point in the process where people just panic and they think I'm not going to be able to pull this one off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the magic of it, but it's also a little bit scary. Yes. Panic is important in the writing process. Sometimes it can be fuel <laughs> um, to get things done, but it can also be... A, a reason to avoid, um, which I definitely have that issue as well. So <laughs> a panic is very familiar to me. <laughs> so for that 13 years where you were focused on, I want to publish, I want to be a published author. Um, did you take a lot of craft classes? You, you mentioned romance writers of America. Did you, um, uh, you know, how did you, how did you fuel the craft side of your, of your world? Yes. So I, Definitely. Um, Romance Writers of America, I think because romance novelists often, kind of like mystery and thriller, I think probably cozy mystery is most akin to the way in which they get judged. Um, You know, I think romance writers really get judged harshly. And there's all these assumptions made about the writing and that type of things. Um, And so, and it's all wrong. They take plot and character and all the fundamentals so seriously. I mean, you can basically get an MFA by going to enough conferences. Um, Mm -hmm. It's really very like useful, practical. They, you know, bring in different speakers and then authors themselves will give presentations. So craft, you know, is something that I was learning, you know, but it, it really took a while for a lot of it to click into place. And you know, it continues to take a while. Um, to me, writing is a sort of like what they say about poker, um, which is, you know, it takes a minute to learn and a lifetime to master. It's like, you're mm-hmm. never really that good at it. And it changes all the time, depending on who you're playing with or what you're doing. So I definitely, you know, I have been learning craft, but I'm like, right now I'm actually starting a new craft book, Story Genius by Lisa Cron to do edits with my third book, um, because I had worked so hard on becoming more of a plotter and working on plot. And then she sort of disrupts all of those notions of plot and, um, which is great. It's great to kind of stretch and she kind of analyzes it more from characterization, which I think is a good exercise too. And what's the name of that book? Uh, story genius, um, how to, Use brain science to go beyond outlining and write a riveting novel by Lisa Cron, C-R-O-N. Her thesis is basically that story is how uh, humans have survived, that Mm -hmm. we tell stories not just for entertainment, it's actually to learn how to survive. And that's why we crave reading, we crave stories, you know, it's why Netflix is huge, it's why, you know, there's these sort of like white ladies love murder stories kind of things. It's because we want to learn what can happen in the world to avoid it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so she, so from like that lens, she analyzes stories and um, really says that the reason we're writing and when we sit down, the fact that we're putting plot first is, is like not the right process. You actually need to start with character and what they want and what's important to them because that is actually what drives the story because that's the learning part of it. That's great. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, um, 
I've heard that some people will use acting uh, techniques to build characters, and it's the same thing. Every actor needs to know what what their desire is, what they want out of a scene, and and make it up themselves or find it in the text or whatever. But that's a really helpful thing to remind people of. And I will put a link to this book in the show notes for this. So that oh, great. If people yeah, I, want to find it, they can. I love that book. And I would also say Save the Cat writes a novel for anyone who's trying to learn different plotting techniques and wants to focus on plot structure. Um, that's a more recent version of a book that's based on screenwriting techniques. Um, and um, let's see, I think, is it Jessica Brody wrote that? Um, that's another great one about plot. So I would definitely recommend that book too. It helped me a lot. And your um, current project, you're working on um, an Audible program with other writers. Is that correct? That's right. So Audible um, has been buying a lot of um, short stories from authors, which is really cool. But I've never written a short story. And, um, but I love audiobooks. So I very much wanted to um, jump on the bandwagon and get involved. But I was nervous about putting together a short story. So I talked to my agent about an idea I've had for a while. Like I'm a marinator. I have ideas that just sit in my brain for a long, long time until finally I'm ready to kind of tackle them. And one idea I had was this idea of, um, for widows, um, whose husbands slash one, um, is bisexual. So it's her kind of wife, but it's set in the eighties. So they weren't like legally married, but her partner, if you will, um, all four of them go down in a plane crash under mysterious circumstances, leaving these four women who do not know each other and, or really even get along in charge of the firm with all the problems left on their laps. Um, and so the idea was that we, if there were four points of view, you know, I could have three other authors, we'd essentially be writing a short story length amount, but it would go toward a whole novel. Um, and so my agent thought that sounded fun. And I um, reached out to um, Kimberly Bell and Kate Hollihan and Lane Fargo, who all whose writing I love. And I felt like we had a similar voice. There, were, there was like a kind of just a voiciness that I connect with in their writing. Mm-hmm. Um and they all agreed. And so we um, put a proposal together and we wrote um, sample chapters, like each of us taking a point of view. Um, and Audible really loved it. And um, we wrote it fast. Uh, once we got the contract and everything approved, we wrote it in, I think, 13 weeks. Basically, wow. Basically, you know, a chapter a week. But when you have four people writing, that'll that'll do it. <laughs> And are you, you doing each writing from a point of view and, and letting those points of view, letting everyone's work stand on its own? Or, or are you also collaborating, trying to, to you know, is there some cross-editing or do people oh, read yeah. each other? So and- that was really fun. Um, so we, you know, it will read just like any normal book. It, well, that's a four-person point of view book. So, and each of the, we each took a widow's point of view and it just goes one, two, three, four, and then starts over one, two, three, four, all the way through the book. Um, and so every week we would write a chapter, send it to each other. We'd sort of go in order because you have to build off each other mm-hmm. a little bit. And it, you know, it took us a few weeks to get a rhythm, but we got there. And um, so we would each edit each chapter as well. So 
you know, by the time we got to the end, we had some revisions, but, you know, each chapter had been edited essentially four times, you know, by the time we got to the end. Um, and it was very collaborative, you know, ideas about suggesting dialogue and what could happen. And we, every week would get on a zoom call and walk through the previous week's chapters and then talk about the next week's chapters. And it was super fun. And this is going to be an audio book, but is, will it also be produced as a physical book or is it going to I hope so. I think um, with the contract, I believe it has to start out as an audible only. Um, But then after so many months, um, I think we can send it to publishers and see if they would want to do that. So, you know, if someone's interested, I think that would be awesome if they would want to do that. Um, Yeah, it can, it can go on to be anything, but at first it will be audible only. And once it's um, audio is going to be producing it, so are they casting? Do you have any say in the voice casts or anything? So I, I, when I've worked with <clears throat> on my previous books, I did have some say. Um, so I'm hopeful that you know we we do get some say. Um, it's slated for early 2022, um, and we've handed in our first draft, but you know haven't gotten notes or yet anything. So it's pretty early in the process, but yeah, I would love to have the opportunity to listen to voices and, you know, get us, get a little bit of input on, on who they choose. Oh, it's so great. It's such an interesting other way of using writing skills too, and exploring different mediums. And I think, you know, very future thinking. Um, yeah. And I, I kind of, I did it for a couple of reasons. I think as writers, we know we need many streams of income, um, to make this work. And, um, you know, I also just sort of love audiobooks, And so I think that's also good advice to kind of lean into the things that you really enjoy. And, I, and, um, and also sort of see what the market will bear. And I noticed there were all these really cool deals going on with Audible. So, you know, it, it was just kind of a combination of things. And I also just thought it'd be really fun to write with other writers. Um, 2020 was a hard year for everybody. And, you know, I have been working on this third book for over a year and it's kind of been slow going and a little bit hard at times. And so this Young Rich Widows project was sort of me trying to get back to the fun of writing. And it really, it really was fun. That's great. That's great. Well, I look forward to that for sure. Um, When you either give advice or, you know, um, can you talk about some of the good and also some of the bad writing advice you've gotten over the years? Well, I think any, for the bad advice, I think anything that's an absolute is to be ignored. I just, every book is different. Every book you write is different. Every kind of stretch of creativity is different. Every story is different. Characters are different. So, you know, if anyone's sort of like, you have to do this, like you have to plot or you have to not plot, you know, I think ignore that and definitely kind of, kind of trust your gut and instincts. And, and I, but I do think it's cool to try different things. That's kind of my advice or what I do that works for me. I mean, some people, you know, the idea of a kind of creative routine is really important. Um, and I, completely understand that. But at the same time, when I'm writing, there'll be periods of time where I feel like I need to be editing on paper. And then there'll be periods of time where I feel like I should edit in Scrivener, which is like a software that is almost like note card style. Um, Or I'll feel like I need to see all the chapters laid out. Like I, I think allowing yourself some flexibility because 
you know, at different times, different things will feel right. Um, often there'll be clues to like, if I'm wanting to put it all in Scrivener, it's probably because I can sense that there's a structure problem. Or if I want to read it all printed out, it's probably because I'm sensing that there's a narrative problem or that the writing mm -hmm. isn't there. So, you know, I think if you have some instincts while you're writing to just kind of follow those um, and to see if it helps, because you kind of never know. <laughs> That's great advice. And to try new things. Mm -hmm. and if the same old things aren't working, try something new. Yeah, note cards, sticky notes, um, you know, even sometimes changing the font, um, printing things out, reading it on your Kindle, having the audio uh, narrator on your word program, read it out loud, you reading it out loud, recording it while you read it out loud. Like there's lots of different ways to put a little freshness into it to kind of reinvigorate what can often feel a little bit stagnant when you're slogging <laughs> through your 90,000 words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so your writing journey, um, you know, it's an ongoing, it sounds like learning and, and figuring things out. Your publishing journey uh, took as long as it needed to take. I think that that's always true. You know, it can feel like it takes forever, but it takes how long it needs to take. <clears throat> what in your publishing journey surprised you? I, I think I am surprised by how much luck has to do with it, which is sort of disheartening or, I mean, I you have to put yourself in a position to be lucky. I believe that like you work hard, but lots of people work hard and you write good books. Lots of people write good books. Um, you know, and I think, you know, I continually put myself out there having new critique partners and entering contests and making new friends and being a part of the writer's community, which is my a number one advice, which is be a part of the community organizations like sisters in crime, you know, Twitter. I love bookstagram, Instagram over there. Um, but just, you know, keep widening your circle. But, you know, I basically found my agent, which was probably the most pivotal thing that's happened. Um, basically because of a friend I made in a Twitter pitch contest who actually has a book that just came out today, <laughs> um, before we both had agents or published. Um, and I were talking about, um, this book, The Wife Between Us, which was like a bestseller at the time. And she just mentioned that Victoria Sanders was the agent of that book. And, um, and I was like, oh, I love that book. Maybe I'll, you know, look at Victoria. And sure enough, Victoria also represents like Karen Slaughter, you know. Mm -hmm. And so just because of that, like really brief text conversation, I queried her and she loved it and loved my voice and signed me right away. And, um, you know, on I went. But if I hadn't <laughs> made that friendship and you know, been open to just, you know, talking about how I was like, I think I was sort of nervous about who to query and like just sharing that with my friend and her being kind enough to like, talk to me about, you know, like you just, you never know like what will make the difference. You know, it's not just a clear path because by the time I queried the book that would be my debut, I had already also queried another book and gotten over 150 rejections. In fact, I got a rejection from my agent who became my agent wow. um, for that book. Um, and so it's just, you know, that was very lucky, but again, it was like, you know, me kind of also having a book ready and having worked on making friends within my kind of community of aspiring thriller writers and, um, 
you know, so it's, it's hard to know (laughs) what's going to make the difference. And then it just so happened that Victoria does have a lot of clients that are filler writers. So she's got, you know, great relationships and she found, um, my editor and Amazon publishing Thomas and Mercer who were so great to debut with and work with on both my books. You know, I felt very lucky, um, for that relationship, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just one person, the editor connecting with your work. I mean, you, that is you doing a lot of work to make it as good as you can be, but everyone knows like sometimes it'll be a, a book that everyone loves and you don't like that's mm-hmm. normal. And that's true for editors. You know, they, you could have an amazing book, you know, editors pass on books all the time that end up bestsellers or winning awards. And it's not that they made a mistake. It's that book wasn't right for them. Right. And so you really have to find an editor that clicks with your writing. And what I hear you saying that I think uh, if we redefine luck is that opportunity and hard work coming together is luck. So it's, it's the building the relationships, showing up mm-hmm. in the community, um, putting yourself out there helps create the luck as well. Yes, absolutely. Yep. And also there is a, like some intangibles. And so like, be nice to yourself if things aren't going quite right, because there's so much you don't control in this business, unfortunately, and that will be true forever. As long as you're in publishing, you don't control most of it. Um, and so, you know, just acknowledging that really all you can control is just how much, how good of a work you can make and then putting yourself out there to try to find the right people to work with you. Well, and that's why I think thinking of your writing journey and your publishing journey as separate is so important because you can't control the publishing journey. You just can't. Mm-hmm. Um, you could try. And, you know, some people at a certain point in their careers can more than others, but it's it's a business and, and there's so many factors. But you can control your writing journey. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, th- and that's nice and good to keep in mind at every stage is that it is always about the work. Yeah. And defining success according to your writing journey as well as your publishing journey. That's, that's a great intention. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Sisters in Crime is an organization that's uh, been around to help uh started for women crime writers, but now it's an inclusive organization that supports people at, at any point in their careers, you know, whether you're pre-published, whether you're mid-career, or you're an established writer. Um, and you talked a little bit about communities and what they mean, but can you talk a little bit more about Sisters in Crime and specifically as a thriller writer, um, how Sisters in Crime is helpful? Absolutely. I, I There's a great community and great as in a place that there are just other kind writers who write things similar to you that you can kind of meet and be around. I think there's also a lot of inspiration that comes from Sisters in Crime. Um, You know, like our webinars or just um, the regular newsletters, um, social media, things like that to just small little ongoing connections that can really help boost spirits. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, there's also, I love the new, um, write-ins at the beginning of the month. Those, it's a lot of fun, um, to kind of connect people that way. And the nano, um, 
part of National Novel Writing Month work that we're doing. And I just, because I think it, it takes any combination of things and it, in some years it'll be one combination and other years it'll be other to kind of just help you feel connected. And it's great to have an organization like Sisters in Crime, which is kind of constantly giving you opportunities and resources to be connected um, creatively and to other writers. And so it's been a huge aspect for me, not only serving on the board, um, but just the kind of friendships in the community. And it's also a really progressive organization, um, which is not something to take lightly in the crime fiction community. Um, I'm a member of ITW and Mr. Rise of America. And I, um, and I definitely am particularly proud of being a member of Sisters in Crime because, you know, it's an organization that really advocates um, for diversity and inclusion and takes very seriously the need to kind of lift up all voices, um, not only from like grants we give, but just just in general, the, you know, the diversity inclusion work that our board does. And, you know, we just take it seriously and we know it's important um, and we're not afraid to talk about it. Well, and, and folks like you on the board are a great way to have those conversations because you do need a board and a group of people who aren't afraid or are willing to go into conversations that um, they're not super comfortable with, but that need to be had. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Um, so what advice would you give your younger self? I think... I think to stay with the community aspect and to just really keep making those connections to not, it's so easy to just say, you know, you'll get there eventually because when you're in it, it doesn't feel like that and rejections really hurt. And, yeah. you know, I don't know that there's any thing someone can tell you that will make your rejection not hurt. <laughs> I don't think there's anything I could say to myself, you know, during the like tougher moments that, you know, some, the things you hope for are, you know, coming. And then also it's that what you imagine this will be is not what it is. Um, you know, you, I don't know, I think I would imagine like being published and all of a sudden that means I know how to write a book. And all of a sudden that means that everything is just coming together. And, you know, lots of things came together and it was great. But at the same time, as you said, it's, it is a business and there are ups and downs and lots of challenges and you're having to continually not reinvent yourself, but kind of continually prove your relevance and mm -hmm. the quality of your work um, needs to continue. And each stage of your career, you know, has its own opportunities and pitfalls. And you have to constantly be looking out for those and learning and kind of leveling up. Um, so I, I think I would just tell myself as best I can to just like enjoy this time when you're sort of just writing almost for yourself and just keep making friends and engaging in a community and, you know, it will get there eventually. Um, but like I said, it's, it's really hard <laughs> to believe that when you're in the thick of it. <laughs> it is, it is. Um, and you're a thriller writer now. Do you envision always being a thriller writer or do you ever think maybe I will write in another genre? I, I would be super open to it. The only thing is I I would need to really take time to make sure that I've read enough in the genre to write it. Like I love YA, 
Um, but I don't get to read as much YA as I think I would need to in order to like jump into those waters. So I think if I were to go, you know, try a new um, area, I would just need to take some time to just make sure that I was, um, you know, really there because it, it's incredible every, you know, season, the books that come out and change the face of these different genres. Um, you know, even among like domestic suspense, which is sort of where mine live, you know, different books come out and they kind of push things one way or another. And, you know, so I think I don't want to just like wander into <laughs> to YA, for example, and think, oh, this is a great idea. And it's like cliche 10 years ago. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so well, I just think there's a lot of learning to do um, anytime you kind of switch it around. And that's another great piece of advice. Read deeply in your genre mm-hmm. um, so that you understand what what's getting published and, and what's out there and, you know, who does it well and learn from them as well. Yeah. And, and like celebrating work you like is so huge to that community piece. Um because even when something does go well for you, um, that's great, but it's always psychologically complex and <laughs> joy is a, sometimes a double-edged sword and, um, you know, you're happy, but there are other things going on. But when you have a friend who has a book coming out, that's 99.9% of it is just joy. And you do not get that when your book comes out. Let me tell you, it is not a 99% joy. It's a whole lot of other things. <laughs> Um, so definitely, you know, celebrate books you love, you know, share about it on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, wherever you like, um, you know, tag the author, let them know that you like it, connect with them, um, because that's fun. I love doing that. That's that's like the good stuff is celebrating other authors who have worked hard and you love their books and it makes them feel good. And then, you know, that'll come back around to you whenever your book comes out. Yeah, and that's something else that you do in looking at your website and you know, you you do celebrate. You are and you're an active person who can coordinate these events, but you are um you give a lot back to the community and, and you know, pay it forward a lot for folks. And it's it's kind of selfishly because I really there's a lot of joy in just celebrating other people. I mean, I find writing my own work and that generally you know, it's a most level, most days it's a medium level of stress, you know, I mean, there are exciting things that happen, but that's like maybe three days in a year. For the most part, it's sort of just wrestling with your own issues and your own creativity. And like, sometimes you'll have little moments of, wow, that was really good. Or, oh, I'm excited about this. Yeah. But for the most part, it's just sort of like the grind. Um, But if you are excited about new books coming out. If you're excited about what new authors have going on, when they announce their covers, when they announce their titles, when they get new deals, then yeah, it's like good stuff. You're happy, you're excited, you're sharing, it feels good. So, you know, if I just focus on my own stuff, I think I would just be depressed all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But if I focus on everybody else, you know, I'm generally like excited and happy. Like today I had two friends they have books come out. I actually went to Barnes and Noble today. I got to buy my friend's book. My blurb was on the back of it. Oh, um, that's so great. It was awesome. Last night I started a new series on Instagram. Um, Twas the night before book launch. And I interview authors um, for a quick, like 30 minute chat on Instagram live. 
the night before their book comes out. Um, so like I had them on last night. Um, so it's just, you know, fun. That stuff is fun. And it has very little to do with, you know, me and my writing other than just, I guess, keeping my profile out there, but it's really just about kind of celebrating other people's good stuff. Cause that's what kind of makes you feel good consistently for me anyway. That's great. And, and this Instagram, um, program or, or what, what do you call it when you, it, a series? Like, yeah, what do you like call a, it? Yeah, like a live series. Yeah. That's probably yeah. <laughs> That's such a terrific idea. And again, um, being part of a community, uh, is, is so important, but folks don't have to create a whole Instagram series too. They can just retweet or like, or, <laughs> or recommend or celebrate or take a picture of themselves with a book. And it makes a difference, a huge difference. And, you know, if you read a book and you love it, you know, tag the author, let them know, share it. I mean, it, it makes them feel great. And authors never get tired of seeing that. That's for sure. Yeah. And if you didn't love it, don't tag the author. Yeah. Yeah. And also, actually, I would say probably don't write about it. If you're going to yeah. be an author, I think you, at some point you have to decide if you're going to be a reader or a writer. And if your writing is for the purpose of publication, you really you're going to probably need to go back and go through your Goodreads reviews. You're going to need to really only probably share positive feedback um, because you're not a, you aren't a critic. You aren't someone who has the right sort of to critique anymore because you're on the other side of it. And I mean, you could, but the problem is this industry is so small that, you know, you really could offend people and it's, it's round on. And also once you have a book published, you see how hard it is. I honestly just have a lot of trouble just even wanting to think I need to critique a book because it's like, fine, if it didn't resonate with me, who cares? Like, that's just me moving on. You know, it's not something I really want to express to other people because it's just, it's so hard to get a book published that just that feat alone sort of makes you want to just be respectful of what they've done. So if you are a really active reviewer on Goodreads and you are also trying to get published, you know, you might think about making like an anonymous account or something like that. Even that could really kind of bite you. But, um, you know, I think you have to sort of choose your path there because this isn't an industry where, cause you're going to be asking those authors for blurbs and stuff, or, you know, they're going to be at your agency or they're going to be at your publisher, or you're going to try to get a new editor. And one of those authors is there too. And, you know, editors, Google agents, Google, like it's all out there. And so if you're putting, you know, successful books on blast all the time on your Goodreads page and stuff, or on your bookstagram, Instagram or whatever, you know, people will see that. Yeah. No, I think that's such great advice um, to uh, for writers to really your part. You're immediately when you put your intention out there, you're part of a community, and and there's responsibility that goes with that. Absolutely, it's um, for me. It's like when I became a parent. It's like that you you know the most about being a parent, but when you aren't one yet, <laughs> because once for me, once I became one, I realized how much I didn't know and how much even what I do know changes day to day. And when I'm certain of something that is the next thing that's thrown in my face. Um, and, and writing feels like that a lot too. Anytime I'm certain about something in publishing or think I really have a great view on something, you know, it, 
turns me over and I realize I'm wrong. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it is a humbling but wonderful journey. Yes. Right? Yes, absolutely. I know. I feel like maybe I've been sort of depressing about... <laughs> I don't think you've been depressing. I think you've been giving some good advice. I mean, there is, you know, you, you've been talking about the joy that you have to find, but you have to mine it sometimes. It's not automatic. Um, but the writing is hard work. It is. It really is work. Um, I think that's, I think we're often fed this kind of idea of you just kind of sit down and things come and that happens sometimes, but mostly it's just work. And I think that that, grind that ability to do the 600 words a day or whatever, you know, and edit it and like just plod through and just, it's a grind. The ability to do the grind is really the secret sauce of publishing because so many people start books and don't finish writing them. You know, so many people write a book, get bad feedback, give up on the book, you know, even though every single author you love writes probably terrible drafts, you know, before it's even anywhere near sharing. So the, the good news is that anybody can grind and anybody can learn and anybody can push themselves to get better. So you can get there, but you know, it also means that it's not sitting down and, you know, getting to be a bestseller, you know, overnight. Uh, even though that's like what media would kind of tell you happens, but um, for the most part, it's not. But I, there's some freedom, I think, in the fact that it is to me anyway. The grind is where the magic really is. That's what often will separate people who go on to be published um, and to those who not is the hard work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for your hard work. And I'm really looking forward to this Audible series um, next year. I'm so happy for you and that this is happening and excited. I mean, I, I think it's just so cool when people work themselves into new mediums and figure some stuff out. Um, so thanks so much for being on the podcast, Vanessa. Awesome. Thanks, Julie. This is great. Thanks. Thank you for being with us today. Sisters in Crime is about community. We were founded to advocate for women crime writers, and we continue that mission by fighting for equity in the crime writing community. Sisters in Crime is an international inclusive organization for all who write and love crime fiction, mystery, thrillers, and suspense. Join us at sistersincrime.org and make sure you subscribe to this podcast.